0: Hello and welcome to the Indiana Lawyer Podcast, your source for news and Hoosier law, brought to you by Taft. I'm Indiana Lawyer Editor Olivia Covington, and I'll be your host this week. Thanks for joining us. This week for our extended interview, I chat with Rebecca Geyer, the 2023 President of the Indianapolis Bar Association. But of course, before we get to that conversation, we have this week's headlines. Let's dive into those now. Today is Wednesday, February 22, 2023, and these are your headlines. First, some news that journalists like me have been waiting to hear. Effective May 1st, trial courts will have the discretion to allow news organizations to bring cameras into courtrooms to record and broadcast non-confidential proceedings. The change comes courtesy of an amendment to Rule 2.17 of the Indiana Code of Judicial Conduct. Until May 1st, that rule prohibits broadcasting in Indiana courtrooms. But when the amendment takes effect, trial judges will have the discretion to authorize cameras in their courtrooms as they see fit. Of course, there are some limits to the rule, to protect children and jurors, for example. But after a four-month pilot program and public comment, the Indiana Supreme Court signed off on the rule amendment, with Indiana Chief Justice Loretta Rush saying, quote, Trial court judges are in the best position to determine how to balance the importance of transparency while protecting the rights of people involved in a court matter. End quote. We wrote about the Cameras in Courts pilot project back in August. Head over to our website and search the word broadcast to find the story. Speaking of trial courts, a trial judge in St. Joseph County is facing discipline charges for alleged misconduct as both a judge and as a practicing attorney. Seven discipline charges were filed against St. Joseph Probate Court Judge Jason Situwitz earlier this month. The disciplinary complaint alleges that while he was a practitioner, Situwitz had a conflict of interest when he mixed his role as an attorney for a client with his role as the power of attorney for that same client, and later as the beneficiary of the client's trusts and bank accounts. It also alleges that he engaged in an improper business transaction with that client. Once he became a judge, Situwitz allegedly improperly continued his fiduciary relationships with that client by remaining his power of attorney. Also, the complaint alleges the judge improperly leveraged his role as the trustee of the client's foundation to fund improvements to his court. An attorney for Situwitz, Donald Lumberg, addressed the court improvement claims in a statement saying the judge, quote, successfully and legally obtained private funds to improve his court at no cost to the taxpayer and at no personal benefit to himself, end quote. Also, the client himself said he was shocked to learn about the investigation, considering he had never complained about his relationship with Sitchiewicz either before or after he became a judge. Sitchiewicz has 20 days from February 7th to file an answer to the charges if he chooses. We'll keep an eye on this case as it progresses. Shifting gears, we have an update on the continued legal fallout from the sexual misconduct accusations against former Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill. A Marion County judge has granted summary judgment to Hill on counts of defamation and invasion of privacy that were filed by the four women who accused him of sexual misconduct back in 2018. The four women, who include former Indiana State Representative Mara Candelaria Reardon and former Indiana legislative staffers Gabrielle McLemore-Brock, Nikki Silva, and Samantha Lozano, also filed a battery claim against Hill, which was not dismissed in the summary judgment ruling. The four women sued Hill in 2020 after a related federal case against him and the state was dismissed. The federal complaint was amended to name the Indiana legislature as a defendant against Title VII claims, but the district court ruled in favor of the Indiana House and Senate on those claims, and the parties have since agreed to dismiss the case with prejudice. The summary judgment ruling in state court also dismissed the defamation and invasion of privacy claims with prejudice. The women filed those claims after Hill publicly refuted their allegations and questioned their credibility. The battery claim remains pending, and a jury trial is scheduled in Marion Superior Court for February 2024. We'll let you know if there are any updates to the case between now and then. Let's shift gears again, this time to law school news. You may remember that back in December, we reported that the American Bar Association was considering removing the requirement that law schools use an admissions test like the LSAT when admitting students. Well, that proposal went before the ABA House of Delegates this month and was shot down. Resolution 300 failed in a voice vote during the bar's mid-year meeting in New Orleans. That means for now, law schools shall, not may, continue to use the LSAT or GRE in admissions decisions. But that's not the end of the line for the resolution, which has been sent back to the Council of the Section of Legal Education and Admissions to the Bar. Under ABA rules, the House of Delegates can review a proposal twice and reject it, but the final decision rests with the council. The council was scheduled to meet on February 17th to discuss Resolution 300. We'll let you know when we hear the results of that meeting. To wrap up this week's headlines, here's Indiana Lawyer reporter Alexa Schrake with a preview of a story she's working on for the March 1st issue of Indiana Lawyer. Alexa, what can you tell us?
1: Twin bills dealing with the rights of Indiana National Guard members to a court-martial are moving through the Indiana House and Senate. Senate Bill 279 and House Bill 1076 would change Indiana code to allow both the governor and adjutant general of the National Guard to convene a court-martial. Currently, only the governor has that power. Also, the bills would not allow members of the Indiana National Guard to demand a trial by court-martial instead of non-judicial punishment. They also remove a provision permitting commanding officers to order a member to be under correctional custody for more than eight days, and change in disciplinary punishment a commanding officer may impose. Senate Bill 279 has advanced through the Senate and is awaiting a House committee assignment. House Bill 1076 has passed the full House and is awaiting a Senate committee assignment. I'll dive into the purpose behind these bills in our next issue, so make sure you pick up a copy. Back to you, Olivia.
0: Thanks, Alexa. All
1: right, that'll do
0: it for this week's headlines. Make sure you head to theindianalawyer.com for more on these stories and for other legal news. Stick around after our sponsor break to hear my conversation with 2023 Indy Bar President Rebecca Geyer. Taft, today's modern law firm. At Taft, we cultivate a highly respectful, transparent workplace that fosters creativity, teamwork, inclusion, and diversity. We couple our culture with a client-first approach, rewarding lawyers who understand their clients' goals and work to deliver success. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. For this week's extended interview, I'm joined over Zoom by Rebecca Geyer of Rebecca W. Geyer & Associates, who is the 2023 president of the Indianapolis Bar Association. Rebecca, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Rebecca's practice
0: focuses on estate planning, estate and trust administration, elder law, tax planning, and business services. She's also an adjunct professor of elder law at the IU McKinney School of Law in Indianapolis, And she's a board-certified Indiana trust and estate specialist, a fellow of the American College of Trust and Estate Council, and a frequent speaker and writer on elder law and estate planning topics. Within the Indiana legal community, Rebecca has served as president of the Indianapolis Bar Foundation, a member and chair of multiple sections or divisions of Indy Bar and the State Bar Association, a member of the ISBA Board of Governors, and was named a fellow of the Indianapolis Bar Foundation in 2010. And she was a member of the 2014 40 Under 40 class put on by the Indianapolis Business Journal, which, of course, is our sister paper
2: here at Indiana Lawyer.
0: All right. So we always start off these interviews with the same question. How did you end up in the legal profession?
2: Well, I'm actually a third generation attorney. So I would tell you that I grew up uh, listening to my dad a lot. My dad had a private practice uh, for many years doing what I guess he would refer to as kind of a general civil practice. He did a lot of bankruptcy, divorce work, small business, and estate planning. And I used to hear him, he was always an early riser, and I would always hear him downstairs dictating letters to his assistant or calling back his clients when he came home from work, whatever he needed to do. And I associated his profession with helping people. And so I think from an early age, I wanted to Uh, give back. Even though there are three generations of attorneys in our family, we've all done different things. And working in the areas in which I practice has really enabled me to help families. But at the same time, I don't have to get involved in contentious divorce. Yeah. How did you end up in
0: elder law and estate planning?
2: So I decided really, once I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted very much to work with families, but I really had no desire to do divorce law. My parents divorced when I was a teenager, and that was enough for me. So I actually talked to my dad about it and he said, well, you might look into estate planning that might be a natural fit for you. And it was the other piece to that coin is that um, my grandparents, my mom's parents uh, were in their 70s when I was born. My mom was a late in life child for them. And so, when I was a kid, I watched my grandparents live with us for various times of their lives, and I saw my parents grapple with difficult decisions with them. And I have an affinity for older adults, and I think it was a natural fit for me to work with older adults and deal with elder law and estate planning as a result. So, how did you get involved in Indy Bar? I've really been involved with Indy Bar since I became a lawyer in Indiana in 1999. I immediately joined a committee. I remember vividly actually was on a committee that we don't have exactly in the same format anymore. It was called Liaisons with Law Schools. Mm. First committee I ever served on. And I just started serving on committees as a way to become involved and give back to the profession, but also as a way to meet other attorneys in the city. I feel like we're very lucky here in Indiana. We have a very collegial bar and people are usually willing to help and love meeting other attorneys. And it's been a great way for me to meet people in other practice areas. So from my committee experience that just grew, I later applied to be part of the Indy Bars Bar Leader Series. And then, you know, I later shared that. I got involved with our foundation. I sat on the boards for both the foundation and the association over the years. And I've as you mentioned earlier, held a number of roles, section chairs, different things. And I've just always had an affinity for giving back and being a part of an organization and remaining connected with other attorneys in the city. And that has led to various leadership positions over the years.
0: Yeah. And, and looking at your bio, it's not just indie bar. you know, there's ISBA, you know, looks like some national organizations. So you have your hand in, in kind of a lot of things. I do. Yeah. Did you, do you find that is that a lot to, to balance, or do you find it all kind of an enhancement to the your career?
2: I would say both. It depends yeah. on the day. So it can be a lot uh, to balance. I don't necessarily, I, I'm not fulfilling leadership roles in all of those things now, but I have in the past. And because I run my own practice, that can be difficult to balance with leadership opportunities at the same time. But luckily, I'm not here alone in my practice. I work with wonderful attorneys and staff, and they really help us serve clients and give me the time that I need in order to give back. So what's the path toward becoming Indie Bar president? You know, do
0: you have to hold certain offices? And, you know, how did you set your sights on that?
2: So, no, you don't really have to hold certain offices. You do have to have leadership experience because one of the things that the Indy Bar is really good about is making sure that we have continuous knowledge about our leadership. We don't want leadership to be done in a vacuum and have someone roll off the board and take all of their knowledge with them. So you have to show uh, leadership roles within the Bar Association. We're not going to appoint someone who's never done anything for the okay. association as its president. But you apply. I actually applied three separate times before I was slated to become president because it's, you know, there's only one position available and many people apply. And eventually uh, I was slated. And then you serve as a first, uh, president, first vice president, excuse me, which is, you know, two below. Then you serve as the president-elect and then as the president. And we kind of have an executive committee as a result of that. So you're involved in decision-making right from the start so that we continue to have that institutional knowledge that will enable us to lead well. So what does being president mean exactly? What are your duties? Well, so there's all sorts of duties. So I'm involved really in almost every facet of activity for the Bar Association, whether that's dealing with issues related to staffing the association and payroll and things like that as they come up uh, to issues of public policy that come up at the state house. We have a public policy committee and we meet weekly during session for a team's meeting to discuss what's going on at the state house that might impact lawyers in the state. I deal with social aspects, you know, assisting with things like our Bench Bar Conference. We have a lot of alliances with other bar organizations, things with the State Bar, things with Marion County Bar Association and APABA, which is our Asian American Pacific Bar Association. So we have meetings involving that. Uh, I just had a meeting before this involving uh, planning for a destination uh, CLE event. So it really, I say I have my hands in a lot of things, but the things that I most appreciate about the bar is that One of the things we do really, really well is we try to be very proactive in our approach to addressing the needs of lawyers in this community. And we have a strategic plan. We did a new strategic plan last year that will last. This one is a two-year plan. And we are constantly working with our programming and with the CLEs we put on and other events that we do to bring value to our members and make sure that we are offering things that they need to better practice as lawyers in our city.
0: So what can we expect for your year as Indy Bar president? What do you have on your radar?
2: So we have a lot of things on our radar. So in addition to the normal events, I I have to say, first of all, I hope everyone who's listening will consider attending our Bench Bar event in mid-June down in Louisville. It's going to be a very exciting event. And we have some great speakers lined up. We have a panel with the Indiana Supreme Court justices. We have appellate and trial court justices who are going to be speaking We have a specific plenary session with Lenita Baker, who is the current president of the National Bar Association, Mm -hmm. and also the attorney for the family of Breonna Taylor, who you may be familiar with, who was killed in Louisville. So we have a lot of really exciting events planned. Some other things that we are focusing on for the year, we continue to work on our DEI initiatives, especially continued training within the organization of our staff and other attorneys within the city. But we have a separate committee that's going to be working specifically on expanding our diverse pipeline of leadership. We have diverse boards and things, but we really want to make a concerted effort to make sure that our leadership is as diverse and inclusive as the members of our association. We continue uh, to work on bench and bar relationships. Uh, We try to be there to support our judiciary. So that's something we're working at both on a county level and on a uh, state level with the Supreme Court as well. So you'll see a lot of focus on that. And then we're continuing to turn our attention towards the needs of our members as they continue to struggle with kind of a balance in this new world we live in, which is somewhat of a combination between in-person work and Zoom meetings. And we want to make sure that we're providing the level of support and training, especially for young lawyers who may not have attorneys in the office to go to anymore. So that's been a focus of ours as well.
0: Yeah, and picking up um, on the diversity topic that you mentioned of course, you're the leader of the Bar Association. Um, Elizabeth Edwards is leading the Bar Foundation. And then, of course, you have Julie Armstrong leading the whole bar as a whole. So we certainly have a, a, a woman's coalition going on, it looks like.
2: Yeah, believe it or not, I'm only the 10th woman president of the Bar Association. I'm the 145th president. So that wow. means 135 men and only 10 women. But uh, When we had our installation breakfast, it was the first time we had two female leaders passing off to two female leaders. So it was really... Oh, wow. Uh, and we had uh, Judge Moperly was one of the people who helped uh, do this wearing in and she remarked on it as well. So I was really proud to be a part of that.
0: So what about any challenges that you foresee for the year for the bar?
2: We continue to struggle with the changing, uh, I, I would say a couple of things. We as an organization, you know, for years have been one of the things we've done is provided value to our members through continuing legal education, but there's a mm-hmm. lot sources for that these days. So we're looking to provide value uh, to members in different ways. We're really focused on experiential learning and making sure we have a good catalog of things because that really, when we speak to our members, seems to be something that they're most interested in experiencing as opposed to just coming and sitting through something and learning about a specific area of the law. We do struggle a little. Uh, We're working with both uh, Marion County judges as well as within our own association We have great space that we took on right before the pandemic. And then as a result of the pandemic, we don't have as many people downtown as we used to. So we're trying to figure out uh, the best way to provide a happy medium to give attorneys the ability to connect in person, uh, as well as not require everyone to be in person, but we want to use our space. We want to make sure people are using the new uh, Community Justice Center. We're kind of in a growing phase right now as we look into those things. Uh, And then we continue to have challenges related to lots of attorneys who are retiring from practice and not enough attorneys who are joining the uh, legal workforce. And so we have quite a robust group of people working with the law schools to better educate law students about different opportunities within the law, which may they maybe they haven't had any exposure to bankruptcy law or estate planning. And we want to give them more opportunities to experience that so they consider careers in specific areas. And we continue to grow the practice of law in general as so many people are retiring because we believe that there, we're going to have a bit of a dirt there, not enough people. Certainly in my area of practice, we're not seeing enough people going into it. And we want to make sure that long-term, uh, we do have the lawyers we need to adequately serve the population of Indianapolis. So what would you say has been the biggest benefit of Indy Bar in, in your career? So for me, it's definitely the connections I've made. As we've talked about, I work in a very specific area of the law, but things come up all the time where I need to give a referral to a client or a family member because of a situation that is not in an area in which I practice. And I have made wonderful connections all over the city in pretty much any practice area. I know someone and I have the ability to pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, can you help? I have wonderful friends as a result of those connections. I I have the ability to bounce ideas off other lawyers. And so for me, that has been a huge benefit and aid to my feeling of well-being related to the practice of law. I love having people within the legal community, not just those that I work with, but other people that I know. It makes the practice of law more enjoyable, more collegial Uh, And it's definitely a benefit. And I also really like giving back and having an opportunity to ensure that what we offer as an association is really meeting the needs of our members. I mentioned
0: earlier um, that Elizabeth Edwards is serving as president of the Bar Foundation. And I attended the um, installation breakfast a couple of weeks ago. And it certainly seems like you
2: two are already friends. Elizabeth and I actually became friends in Bar Leader Series. uh, Oh, look at that of Bar Leader Series. That's when we first met and we've been friends ever since. We laugh about it that we're a true testament to the Indie Bar <laughs> Series because our class included Elizabeth and myself and also Jimmy McMillan, who was president two years ago. Right. So, <laughs> we're a good group and we've been friends ever since. That was in 2007, so it's been a few years.
0: Yeah. So have the two of you talked about you know how your two separate arms of kind of one big organization are going to work together?
2: Absolutely. So uh, we work together frequently because, you know, we we essentially, although we're two separate arms, we're part of the same organization and we serve the same customers from an association right. standpoint. And so we have wonderful boards that often work together. We support each other. It's a requirement for our association board, for example, that we ask everybody who's a board member to give to our foundation but we work together to plan events to support our foundation. Uh, I serve on her board and I'm going to be working on some of the empowerment grant applications that we're going to review and award to different community organizations. We uh, work together with regard to planning for different fundraising events so that uh, we can plan that together and not step on one another's toes because we don't want to be competing for the same dollars. Sure, And w- one of the things that I'm most proud of is that both our foundation board and our association board have take part in this alliance with Marion County Bar Association and APABA. And so we're equally involved in that initiative and continue to support those organizations and work together.
0: So to kind of wrap us up, what's your, maybe your elevator pitch to someone considering joining Indie Bar? Why should they make the jump?
2: I would say IndyBar is probably the best organization to meet other lawyers, but also to provide them with information they need to be able to succeed in the practice of law. And it doesn't matter if they are working in government or in a small firm or a large firm. We have the tools and the personnel and the connections to help them get what they need to be successful and provide them with the support they need to continue to grow.
0: All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you again to Rebecca for joining us today. To listen to our previous interviews, visit theindianalawyer.com or look us up on your favorite podcast app. We'll be back with our next episode on March 8th.